0: Okay. All right. I think we're probably live. I guess we can wait a few minutes if there's. We'll kind of glow slowly at the beginning so people can uh, slowly jump into uh, into the chat. Um, welcome to Unsafe Space, everyone. I'm your host Carter Laren. Um, you can go to unsafeshow.com to check out more content. You can also follow us on Twitter at unsafe show. Uh, today I will be chatting with the award-winning science fiction author John Delarose. John welcome hey how's it going yeah uh, it's going well we've got two rules john the first rule is feelings are not arguments and the second rule is no hitting uh you comfortable with that or what's what's the deal
1: i don't know about that um i kind of am a guy who just doesn't follow rules very well so we'll we'll uh, see we'll see how well, it goes
0: if you hit you will be hit back that's all i can i can say um so you just have to deal with that so um john is uh like i said he's the a best-selling author he he's the author of for steam and country which is uh, part of the baron von monocle uh series it's it was the number one bestseller in the young adult steampunk series um i just read the first book and enjoyed it very much i think it's uh, a little bit much for my daughter who's not quite that age yet but uh but i told her about it and she's excited to read it when she's uh, maybe a couple of years. Couple more I years think, i think 11 good. or
1: 11 or 12 is fine uh for that there's there's really nothing like I, I would say like content that they wouldn't get on any tv show pretty much but uh you know there are some violent parts yes yeah
0: not all of us let them watch any tv show that's fair uh, mr de La rose <laughs> um and uh and also i think was it the conservative libertarian fiction alliance book of the year as well is that correct
1: yeah absolutely so those guys are the best um they're they've got a website they got a group on MeWe. Is that the new, that's the new hot place, I guess, and a group on Facebook. So uh, I, I'm definitely, uh, the, that's the best group, period, that exists.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm going to ask you more about that later. I just want to get people up to speed on other stuff you're working on. So there's also a book called Ember War by uh, Richard Fox. And Richard won a Dragon Award in 2017 for a different book. Um, but you are taking Ember War and turning it into a comic book. Is that right?
1: Yeah, his other book he uh, won the Dragon Award for was actually part of this series. So it's it's later adventures of of some of the same characters here. Uh, so this this was really the one that is the first book that kind of lays the groundwork for it. So I, I think uh, you <clears throat> you mentioned before that you read it and it lays out nicely like a movie, like I always talk about. So it was a natural one to try to adapt into comic books.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really does, and it was a fun it was a fun read um, as well. So. Before we jump in um too much, I, I want to use you as an expert in the science the science fiction and, and comics community because uh I think a lot of people like me, maybe we read science fiction sometimes. Uh we're familiar with some of the classics, but we don't really we're not really aware what's happening behind the scenes. And so when we see things like Hugo Award winner or Nebula Award winner, like that that means something to us. Um, and we maybe aren't familiar with the Dragon Awards or the CLFA, and we're not really aware of what's going on behind the scenes. And there's been a lot going on behind the scenes. Can you, uh, I know you could probably talk for three hours on this, but can you give us a quick up to speed on like, what the hell happened first in the science fiction community? What What's going on in the last sure. few years? Sure,
1: it's, it's not even the last few years. I mean, it's, it's probably the last two or three generations. Conservatives and people on the right really have just given up on culture in every Regard. You see it in Hollywood. You see it in science fiction. You see it in comic books. Uh, you see it. You see it in every aspect of our culture. You see it in music. Even uh, there's there's just nothing there. And what happened was uh, the establishment publishing houses and all that kind of got together. And over, over time they just kind of replaced all their competent good people with you know the insular it's almost like an atlas shrug story right you know the, the, the company just ends up with the, with the nepotism <laughs> and all this Mouse other stuff the, the yes now. exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly and uh, and yeah. then they just put in these put in these stupid people over and over and over again and you you get you know several iterations over that over 10 20 30 40 years 50 years really I mean we're talking since the 60s is when it really started. Um, And you end up with just these like political hacks who are now in charge of these publishing houses. And so, um, I mean, the book sales have gone from, you know, they used to be in the millions in the 70s and 80s down to the point where like these bestsellers now are selling in the tens of thousands. So it really has just torpedoed. People have tuned out. Normal people have tuned out. And so they just keep, uh, you know, kind of regurgitating the same political nonsense to their echo chamber. And that's what we found. Now, Amazon kind of has even the playing field a little bit, so a person like me can just go out there uh, with a small press like Superversive and, and put out a book and sell just as many copies as as somebody you know who's a, a very popular person in a bookstore or whatnot. It, there, there's no there's no gateway anymore, um, but yeah, they they took over things. The extreme left took over everything in science fiction publishing. Uh, they made it so that these awards that used to mean things that used to be respected. Uh, because of their, you know, cool conceptual stuff that like Heinlein or Asimov or whatnot used to do are now just given out because the person is writing about like a transgendered lesbian knitting circle, which by the way, uh, I run a, uh, another a meeting, thing, right? mm-hmm. oh, well, I'm, I'm writing this with uh, with our mutual friend, Katrina. Uh, we are writing a story about a transgendered lesbian knitting circle. It'll be out in my short fiction. Oh, you know, I just talked to her
0: a couple hours ago. She didn't <laughs> mention this. Uh, I don't know if we, she's proud of I'll it. i have to get the <laughs> 411 on this. Yeah. So, um, so you're basically, it sounds like, by the way, it sounds like what you're going to do is kind of uh, punk the science fiction industry in a way similar to what the uh, science community has been doing to the humanities, like the psychology and those kinds of, Crap papers is that the absolutely. plan?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. That's the plan. Awesome. So there's there's basically a bunch of alternatives that have that have sprouted up. You've got Castalia House publishing, Silver Empire, Superversive, who's published me as as mentioned, and hi, psychology nerd and Serena over there. Uh, I I know you guys. <laughs> Welcome. Um. So uh, yeah, we we've just kind of been doing our own thing, uh, and and running a parallel path, and and you know, we're we're making science fiction great again.
0: So um walk me through this. How do you like let me let me be the uh the play devil's advocate a little bit here. How do you know that the science fiction community has been taken over and that's why these books are getting awards rather than they're just great books and w- would you like me that, I could I, I could
1: I could do a dramatic reading of the story, If You Were a Dinosaur, My Love, uh, which is a story about fetishizing uh, a dinosaur and and saying how they would, uh, you know, do interesting, weird... Well, interesting is the wrong word. uh, Creepy sexual things to this person, even if they were a dinosaur, uh, and that it doesn't matter, and they could transform into a dinosaur or whatever, and it'd just be a great romp. Um, There's no story to this story. You know, I don't
0: know if I wanted that... Dramatic reading, actually, John. It it Um, won the Hugo Award,
1: though. I mean, it has to. It has to be great. Oh, it it won the Hugo Award. Yes, so that's that's the type of fiction that is is actually now uh, getting nominated and only wins. You cannot. You basically cannot uh, win this award unless you've got this sort of weird content in your fiction. In the last two years, you can actually not win unless you're a woman. Uh, there is not there's not a there's not a male person who won any of the major awards in the last two years
0: okay so talk about I, i the response to this i guess has been the dragon awards and the clfa can you talk about those two things
1: yeah uh so for a while people were trying to like actually you know take the hugos back and make them science fiction fun again and the, you know they got shut out because uh, it's an insular community and all that, and you know beating your head Christmas against
0: a wall. Sad puppies thing is that what you're referring to? Or? Yeah,
1: the, Larry, Larry Coria and Brad Torgersen really were the were the spearheads of that. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, Vox, Vox kind of ran his own thing in tandem, but but they but they uh, okay. they overlapped. But yeah, th- those two guys did that. Sarah Hoyt also was very involved in that. They're great people, great authors. I love all three of them. Um, and that it kind of just, you know, I mean, it it got the names out there, but it, but they just couldn't break through, uh, the, the NPC lockstep where we're just going to vote based on our identity. Right. And so, uh, they even, you know, they got people nominated like Jim Butcher, who's, you know, one of the best fiction writers out there today. If Jim Butcher can't win an award, like, you know, that, that, that says something. So, um, it's not like he's a political guy. It was just, they were trying to get the good books out there. So that happened, um, and eventually they just said, well, you know what, screw it, we're just going to uh, move over to DragonCon and open up some awards here. Uh, and DragonCon, you don't have to pay to vote, you just have to register, and anybody can vote. And so they get a lot more voters, and it's more indicative of what people actually like, uh, which was kind of the point of that to begin with. It wasn't It wasn't really so much a conservative uh, movement. Well, it is. I, mean, I was talking to Edwin Boyhead on the phone, uh, for people who know who he is, uh, just about an hour ago, and he was. we were talking about, he, he mentioned that, even something that's not explicitly conservative—that things that are apolitical these days—just because they're not lockstep politics, that is actually a conservative thing at this point. So, so it's actually the non-propaganda you, is non-propaganda considered is considered conservative <laughs> at this point. It's very bizarre, uh, and it's 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 very true. I laughed it when I heard him say this. He's like, "It's it's true," and I'm like, "Yeah, you're right." Um, if if you have that non-identarian politics. Uh, to your work or whatever, you are the outlier. You're ostracized, and therefore, it is kind of like a conservative concept because we're trying to conserve culture, right? Um, and so that's that's what the Dragon Rewards really is about. Uh, you read the Ember War, and there, there's nothing really political in there. But you know, you get down to its base, it's got you know a, a corporation that's actually doing the right thing. It's got like a CEO who's like trying to rescue humanity. It's got like everybody in the military are actually the heroes. The fact that you have those three things, that that would never happen in mainstream traditional publishing today. Those things are like, you know, the, the the corporation has to be evil. The military has to be evil. That's just the way that they work. Um and just just that subtlety there, which, you know, shouldn't matter, uh, ends up, you know, making political waves for for whatever reason.
0: So, I mean, this to me, again, as a, as an outsider, this, it sounds very similar to just Hollywood and how movies are made, right? It's always the CEO that's the bad guy. It's always the evil corporation. um, And, you know, politicians are often, you know, well-meaning, even if they turn out to be corrupt, it's usually because they meant well in some way or or maybe sometimes have some weird deviant behavior. But uh, it's generally this, I, I'll call it like uh, the Star Trek utopia uh, model of, you know, if if we just have enough resources and food replicators, everyone will be happy and productive and and get along and we'll all be singing Shangri La and Kumbaya,
1: whatever in Shangri La. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what happens. And it and it's not necessarily that they even intend on putting these messages in there. It's just it's just a that's that's what they believe. So it just naturally comes out. And I, the same thing with the Ember War. It's not like he was out there to necessarily write a pro military thing. Uh, Richard Fox is a veteran, so of course he has a pro military experience. Yet, he, he you know he's got great combat buddies he had in the military, and he, he knows that his experience in life is better for having served his country, and so that that just naturally came across. But the problem is, you know, in these industries like Hollywood or books or comics, they only put the same types of people on these projects. You you as much as they you know espouse diversity as their as their number one goal. Uh, all the people end up just spouting exactly the same thing all of the time.
0: So let's, so uh, science fiction is important because it's where our movies come from. The books, the books and comics are important because that's really where a lot of movies draw from, from that material. And that, and that's what the, the larger masses end up seeing. Um, but I want to, I want to, I'm going to get back to one thing before we talk about that. Um, you mentioned that, you know, book sales, science fiction, book sales have been dropping couldn't the counter argument be like well that's because the internet that's why book sales have been dropping it has nothing to do with crappy books um how do you know that's not
1: true that's typically what they say but i mean this just okay you know i mean it kind of it kind of ends up being obvious that like if something's not fun and you're in entertainment industry uh people are not going to tune in it, I, I think it's more of an occam's razor thing the internet is not occam's razor the internet means that more people can find your books easier uh, what I've found with the internet, I mean, if i if I didn't have the internet right now, I mean, I'd be selling you know twenty copies to my immediate family or whatever, right? But because of yeah. the internet, yeah. i've I've got these thousands of people who've, who've found me and have been able to buy my books. I mean, so that that doesn't really uh, make a lot of sense there and doesn't compute
0: so what is the so so in that case, what are, what do the Amazon bestsellers look like? are are these uh, Hugo and Nebula award winners? are they? Amazon bestsellers as well or is it some of these other books that you guys think are being ignored
1: that are selling better for the most part it's the ignored books I mean I've seen a couple of the Hugo books get up there also Uh, but you know you don't you don't see them often I mean I I was uh, you know I don't like to talk about other people's books but there's this there's this large uh, author who has a very big following who I'm just not going to name and I'm not going to name intentionally this is part of the part of the war right so if I start talking about a person you, you know how it works right Um, but this person, this person has a pretty big name within the community, very highly regarded. And I, I tracked the books on Amazon rankings earlier this year, uh, because she came out with a book and I determined just based on what I was seeing that she sold less than 20 copies of her book. Literally this person has probably, yeah, less than 20. Correct. This person is big in the establishment gets published in uh, all the magazines. Uh, is very is very highly regarded, very prolific, um, and is very well known by a lot of people. Um, you would expect uh, the books to you know do better than mine by far, because uh, at least in terms of you know Twitter following, the magnitude is, is much higher than what mine is. Uh, but she sold less than twenty books, and then I came out you know in July with my Night Training novella, and it and it shoots up to number one and you know sells a thousand overnight. So it's like there definitely is a disconnect between what the fans and the readers want versus what the insular community of the, uh, of the, I guess, approved authors want.
0: Sure. This is reminding me of the kind of art community. And I I mean like visual art community, um, which is, you know, it kind of went off the rails much sooner, I think, um, decades and decades ago where, uh, stuff that, you know, a five-year-old could paint is considered a masterpiece and, that kind of some of the classic uh, renaissance artists are, are largely ignored and or even mocked. People who try and uh, have that style today as artists, as serious artists, are often mocked as being uh, realist as Derivative, as right? A yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and if only you could, you know, throw some bits of sandwich and cigarette butts in your painting while you, you know, threw, threw paint around on the floor, then you would be a true uh, Jackson Pollock. So it there's definitely a parallel here, it seems like, and, and science fiction, maybe just was lagging.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I, I don't even know that it was lagging. I mean, it's kinda like I said, it started in the sixties. Um we're you know, we're both we both mentioned Heinlein and like him, but you know, if, once you start getting into his seventies and eighties work, it just becomes degenerate garbage. I mean, you know, I'm not gonna mince words on that. Oh, really I haven't does. read I have I haven't so. read anything oh. like that. Okay. So I'm more it, of a like loss the harsh mistress yeah. kind of Heinlein guy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. and, and you get the you get the first seeds of that there uh, because he starts he starts talking about like, you know, the like um, the the family relationships dynamics, you know, and, you know, you're married to like 15 different people or whatever. That starts That's in there. True. Yeah. He, but, you know, yeah. later on, it starts it starts getting into like, you know, characters banging their own mother because they're traveling back in time. And uh, and, and he's very explicit about showing those scenes and okay. stuff like that. It's disgusting. So um, that it, well, it definitely he, started he's more that. of a
0: libertine, I guess, than than a libertarian or conservative
1: kind of. Yeah, it, it's, was, uh, right? He'd definitely be considered conservative now, just because of his, uh, his uh, governmental, you know, right. sort of uh, laissez-faire capitalism. Right. In right.
0: Kinky sex doesn't make you uh, liberal anymore, I guess. Is the not is the at all. I mean
1: yeah. we 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 have a we have a president who uh, I don't want to go into that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Don't <laughs> Daniels can talk about that later. Um, so, uh, so let's, I just want to throw one more thing out and then I want to talk a little bit about, uh, for steam and country. Um, the, the one other thing I want to throw out there is, you know, do you think this was a kind of, you almost make it sound conspiratorial. Like this was a concerted effort to kind of move in and take these industries over. Do you think that's the way it was, or do, was it more that, Um, you know the the colleges. These people come from humanities departments and colleges, and they've been cranking out, uh, you know, basically Marxist zombies for decades. Eventually, those Marxist zombies are going to be in positions of power in any humanities job,
1: right? Yeah, I think I think it's partially that. I think it's a little of both, right? Uh, You you had some people who really wanted to take power. Uh, You had some uh, with the Science Fiction Writers of America, which is like the the Writers Guild. It's like the the, uh, the Hollywood Screen Actors Guild or whatever, right? Um, it's it's the only guild out there. Over time, like, they they sort of changed their purpose and their ways and and got some people in there who were, like, a little less qualified. And, and once those people got power, they just made sure their other friends had power, and that's how it went, right? Um, and it, it, it's more about, you know, their personal, personal power structures and uh, making sure your friends are in high places more than probably, you know, the, an actual political cause out of it. But all these people all just happen to have the same political class, cause because otherwise they wouldn't be friends. So it, it all ties together, right. I think. All
0: right. Okay. That that makes sense. And, and actually, there's one other thing I, I realized we need a, a, a the skinny on from you, which is Comics Gate. Uh, I've seen the hashtag. I kind of now, because of talking to you, know what it is a little bit. But I had no idea what was going on in the comic book community, and even though, though I don't really read comic books again, it's important because a lot of movies come from comic books. Um, so can you tell us what's been going on in the comic books community? Same deal. Just a, is- a
1: little, a little, a little slower of a, a uh, little slower of a rate than sci-fi happened. So sci-fi got taken over by just like the extreme. I, I call them like the pink haired mafia. Right. Um, and yep. the, comics has started to go that direction. And the people who are starting to come up in the industry now are looking a lot like the people who came up in sci-fi. Some of them are exactly the same. Uh, they're, they're even crossing over. Uh, if you look at you know, like Saladin Alma and, and people like that, they, they came over from like the, the Hugo gang. Uh, but um, comics has kind of like been in a spot where like DC and Marvel ran out of ideas. And they set up an industry basically which uh, made it impossible to compete unless you're DC or Marvel. And they did that intentionally. And and that uh, ended up killing off the industry in a lot of ways. When they ran out of ideas, they they turned to identity politics, sort of stoke outrage and get in the news. So you end up with like making Captain America a Nazi because that ends up getting on Fox News. And then a bunch of people come by and drive by, check out the train wreck. Well, this happened years and years and years. And then, you know, the people doing that then bring their friends in and get the same thing. And you end up with a completely left-wing industry where conservatives are blacklisted, uh, if you come out of the closet as a Trump supporter or right wing guy, you get blacklisted 100%. And so I wrote up an article in early 2017 uh, detailing this. And I interviewed Chuck Dixon and Brett R. Smith, who, uh, you know, they, they made the Clinton cash graphic novel and are, were some of the first pioneers of sort of the right wing resistance to this uh, this comic industry. And they said, yeah, they, they, we never get calls anymore. It's just over because because we're out and they just won't even talk to us. And uh, yeah, so comics followed that path and the gate, the comics gate obviously denotes a scandal. Uh, Part of it was the blacklisting. And then what happened was uh, there's this YouTuber named Richard Meyer and he uh, he goes under the moniker diversity in comics. Well, uh, he's been roasting and mocking these comics uh, on YouTube for a while. Very funny guy. And, uh, you know, the establishment really did not like that at all. So they actually got together in a private Facebook group. And we're threatening to, like, you know, do violence on him, like to try to goad him into violence and try to try to harm him uh, at New York Comic Con uh, in 2017. And that's that that was the big scandal that both I and Megan Fox broke to the media that, that started the Comicsgate hashtag and brought it to the public.
0: Wow. So uh, presumably this private Facebook group was infiltrated or we have evidence of it. Um, yeah I've, 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 the, I have an, I
1: have a source I can't can't reveal on that because I'm because I'm a, yeah, I'm a yeah, journalist yeah, I'm
0: not asking <laughs> you to do that but. okay so we so we know that they had this conversation yes
1: um, no, yeah so I've got the screenshots fast, of that and put that up right yeah
0: okay yeah so um yeah this is a this is a lot this is this is pretty this is pretty out there for someone who hasn't been paying attention and and I will say uh, I don't remember the comic that I read because of your first show, but I think it was uh, Miss Marvel or is that is that a thing? That's it a thing. The, the Muslim, huh?
1: Yeah, so so we, we found out that uh, the writer and creator of that has ties to the Clinton Foundation and uh, big Saudi Arabian money. So the, that came very interesting too. So you read yeah, it.
0: Yeah, but I was shocked, right? I mean, just as an outsider, right? I, p- I picked it up and I will say my my first reaction actually wasn't, look at all this propaganda, although I could see that there was clearly a a propagandic message. Um, But my first reaction was boredom. It was the most boring comic I've ever tried to read. And granted, I haven't read a lot, but I've read some, it was a sleeper. Um, It was, and it was, it was really, really bad. And I was, I, if you had just handed it to me and said, um, you know, it, do you think this comic was published by a major publisher or do you think this is some high school kid with a printer? I would have said it's the high school kid with the printer. This is horrible. Savage, um, but it, it's not,
1: <laughs> but yeah, we, uh, you know, a lot of us have, have determined that's very much the case. And, uh, as, as we kind of, we, we kind of progressed from a point where we were calling out the industry problems with stuff like this and saying, this is not acceptable for you to be charging us four ninety nine 99 for, uh, you know, a, a 20 page propaganda pamphlet that, you know, like you said, a high schooler could have written or drawn, uh, you know, we, we demand more of our industry. So we started, uh, kind of creating our own books this year. So there's a lot of great, uh, great creators out there. Um, obviously I've been doing that. I got the Ember War Indiegogo out now. So if somebody wants to watch this and go check that out, I would appreciate it. Um, and then, you know, lots of other people like Vox day, Chuck Dixon is making his own books. Um, uh, I'm, I'm really, uh, excited for, uh, Doug, Doug, Doug I forget how to pronounce his last name, but he was, he, he made earthworm Jim, the, the video game in the nineties. Uh, he's doing his own. It's called Bigfoot bill. Just a lot of great stuff out there that is rebelling against this industry right now.
0: Awesome. Well, I'll definitely, I'll post a link to the Indiegogo campaign, uh, below, uh, when we're done, uh, people should definitely go contribute, uh, and join that. So, uh, all right. So you helped us gave us some background on science fiction and the comic communities a little bit. Um, I know you and I could just talk general politics for a while, but um, you happen to be an expert at your own books as well. So I want (laughs) to, I want to talk a little bit about kind of your thought process and I don't want to do spoilers, but I did read the first of the, as I mentioned, the first of the Baron von Monocle series um, for and country. And it's basically, would you, I would describe it as maybe a coming of age, slash adventure book um featuring a teenage girl is that would that be accurate how you would describe it or no
1: yeah that's uh that's exactly how I would describe it it's a, a fantasy world with uh with steampunk uh aesthetic and yeah it's it's 100% a coming of age that was the intention of it
0: so my first um i i had to think a little bit deeper before i had an answer to this question but my my immediate question after reading it was It's featuring a young female lead who's actually in a traditionally male role. She's not like uh, Martha Stewart, young female lead. She's like a swashbuckling fighter, young female lead. Um, And my first thought was like, why did the social justice warriors, what's wrong with this? (laughs) Like, what? why doesn't this count as progressive or something? Like, why? Why is this why, why, do, why does the, why does
1: the why does the Hispanic guy who writes the, the strong female lead uh, not get the kudos? Well, it's it's totally yes, based on. Yes,
0: I forgot to mention yeah. that you're the the leading yeah. <laughs> Hispanic
1: voice in
0: in science fiction, right? So <laughs> the Hispanic guy writes the story about a strong female character. Frankly, um, you know, doing things that are very unlikely for a sixteen-year-old female to be able to accomplish, right? So really pushing the like strong woman narrative. Uh, but still apparently you're a nazi so i want to know why <laughs> why that is why are you so horrible man
1: um what's, what's bad about it they just they just they just know how i voted i mean it, it comes down to that when i came out with my first book it, it actually was a little more of that i mean i mean zara as a character i think actually is not all that competent in the first book um she she kind of just fumbles into things and and actually fails a lot if you noticed um but that's I yeah. Think no, that's I a do. Real... But she
0: also succeeds
1: ultimately in things, right? <laughs> true. True. Yeah. I mean, but that, that's that's real life, right? I mean, you, you fail a lot, and then you then you then you succeed if you if you do if you do it right. Um, but yep. that, that that's what I try to do. And I, I think most of the accounts of like the female uh, at this point, like they, they always they, they just are just so good. It's it's like Ray in Star Wars, right? Like she's never had any experience from anything. And she's like suddenly right. like wielding a lightsaber and like kicking kicking so much butt of these trained soldiers. It's like how you yeah. know nobody trained. It's not like yeah. Obi Wan trained her. Like she just magically could do it. Um, and I wanted to do yeah. something a little different, like that was like that's still like you know for me it was like can I write a female character from a first person perspective and get away with it? Uh, because I thought it was you know it was kind of a joke at first, but uh, yeah. once once I, I like, got it into as that, I it, was
0: reading it how she felt about the guy, I was like. Don't look
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, I tried try, to, it I tried to do it. Yeah, yeah. I think if you didn't, I think if you did not know I was a male uh, ahead of time, you wouldn't know, uh, you know, you wouldn't naturally think that a, a man wrote that, which which was my goal. So, um, I, I did that, but I did want to also do present it a little more realistically as a character. And I think that's offensive these days. I, th- I think you are not allowed to present female as anything, but you know, uh, just perfect. Uh, otherwise you know that's that seems to be the trope and you know if so, you know skin color same thing you know sexuality same thing uh if if you're presenting anything other than like a perfect person in in like a perfectly normal wonderful life doing wonderful things uh, you get called a racist sexist whatever and so that's that's where that's where the mainstream industry's at unfortunately
0: it's weird too because it's beyond perfect right it's actually impossibly perfect right because I mean i'm the I'm the father of a of a of a daughter, and um, actually one of the most dangerous things I think, for her to see is people saying things like, you know, uh, what did I read the other day? someone someone said something about like, I it was an article about some female CEO, I forget, but it was like, I can be a superstar mom and CEO and whatever some other thing she was doing all at the same time. And you know, my reaction was, no, you fucking can't. No one can do three things at the same time as any one other person could do one of those things at the same time. Like, I'm, you know, if I want to be only the best dad that I could possibly be and only do that, I would have to, obviously, I'd need, you know, a source of income or, or savings to do this, right? But I would say, okay, I'm just going to stay home and be a dad. All I'm going to do is be a dad. That's, that's all I'm going to do. Or if I'm going to go be a CEO and, that's, and I'm going to be the best Possible CEO. Well, I don't have a family, right? And everything's in life is a balance. You're like none of us want that hollow of a life, but everything's a balance, and you can't be the best at everything all at once. That's actually impossible. And my concern is that you know, kids my daughter's age grow up with these unrealistic unrealistic expectations on themselves, and she's going to be thirty and beating herself up for like trying to be a rock star CEO and the Head of the PTA and also the best mom in the world, and a great wife, and she's going to fail because you can't do all those things at once.
1: Yeah, I, I did have I did have a very subversive thing at the end of the book. Uh, you know, I assume everybody here's read book one, who's probably right, who's probably here watching. Uh, if not, sorry. If you haven't, but, uh, uh, but everyone. <laughs> one one of my other one of my other characters uh, who who was mentioned in the chat, uh, Talian von Kravat, uh, she uh, ends the book by saying. You know what? I just want to go home and be a wife and mom, so uh, I'm going to kind of retire that aspect of my life, so I can focus on this right now. And uh, I present that very yep. positively. And that 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 would, um I I don't think any of the SJWs got that far in the book if they even picked it up at all. But uh, but that you know they got the they crazy. saw your
0: name on the cover and and wrote a review. But yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I so it's something that I really appreciate, and and obviously, you know, I am the kind of parent who's telling my daughter. You can do anything you want, but but you can't do everything at the same time. Like there's a there's a difference, and and maybe you can't do everything. I don't know. I mean, uh, I could never be a professional basketball player, no matter how hard I tried. I'm too short and slow, and I can't jump high. And like some things I can't be. That's okay, right? I'm I'm a better cryptographer. We'll leave it at that, right? But um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's it's hugely important for uh, kids to see grown-ups th- trying and failing and grown-ups having to make life choices and balance things and respect the the choice as you said the captain was like i'm i was a, a heroic swashbuckling kick-ass woman and now i'm gonna go focus on being a wife and probably in the implication i think was mother that, there as that well, makes sense right? because because
1: because she she yeah. lost her she lost her lover in the case in the in the case of this and it had it, you know life was not right without him and you know, you don't want to be, if, if anybody's been in a situation where they like, you know, were close to married to somebody and then they're gone for two years, Um, you know, the, the last thing you'd ever want to do is put yourself in a situation where you're going to be apart from them again is what I'd figure, right? Um, so that's, I think yeah. that's a natural character motivation.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just like you hear stories all the time of people, um, you know, barely surviving cancer or whatever, and it's changing their lives and changing their priorities. And that's kind of what I viewed happened with that character.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Same thing.
0: Yeah. So, so I want to ask you about a couple other choices that I think, um, one of them, I'm not sure I understand why. So I'm I'm just generally curious. The other one, uh, it's, it's more of a, I think I know why, and I'm really glad you did it, but I want to talk to you about it. So, uh, a pet peeve of mine is, uh, you know, and for the last several decades, and I grew up during the eighties and, uh, Almost every television show that I remember, and almost all movies, um, fathers were either incompetent or dangerous or absent or dead, right? Absent, asinicus is a form of dead, or dead is a form of absent, right? So they were gone, or they were like uh, drunken, useless, horrible abusers, or they They, were just uh, the the Homer Homer Simpson. Homer Simpson. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I And I think there's something interesting you did here with uh, uh, Zyra's dad. First of all, she has the feelings that kids, I think a lot of kids may have about their dads because her dad's gone a lot, right? And so she's not really sure if he loves her or how he feels about her because he's gone and she feels abandoned. But she comes to discover uh, a different kind of fatherly love than what she thought the love would look like and, and realize how much he did love her and how brave and awesome and what a heroic man he was and how much he was doing to basically protect her and her family, even at the expense of, of uh, p- perhaps his daughter's love. And I, I want to ask you about that choice. Um, you know, I did, that.
1: I don't think I, I don't think I intentionally did that.
0: <laughs> I, no? I definitely, I mean, no? I don't know.
1: Um, It just came out. I mean, I was, I was thinking about it and, I was like, you know, my original base concept was like, okay, what what happens if a girl inherits an airship in the middle of a war, right? Um, <laughs> and that was just like the base base concept. And I'm like, okay, well, the next obviously has to come. She has to inherit it somehow. So, uh, you know, I guess her parents have to be dead, right? Or or maybe yeah. And then I realized, oh, well, it'd be more fun to actually give her an adventure where she actually like has to do something. And like you know, her father turns out to be not dead. So that's pretty cool. Um, and because every, like you said, everything's like an orphaned. Like you know, the the original characters start for Zara. Uh, I got I got flack for this. So um, when I, I I ran my book by several very well named authors. I, I know a lot of big name authors that you know I'll, I'll keep them keep them quiet for their own sake. Um, but I, I <laughs> talked to a lot of them and I sent it, I sent it to a bunch of them early on. One of them came back to me and it very 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 well-renowned author and he said uh you know this whole deal with this girl you know inheriting you know getting getting into this fighting force and all that and and saving the world and all that when she literally just has this farming experience uh is is un- unrealistic and unbelievable and i just couldn't get past that and i said all right so let me tell you this story about this young farm boy his name's luke skywalker And he just happens his way into (laughs) a military and then gets his X-wing and blows up and does it. And the guy goes, crap. He's like, did you do that intentionally? I'm like, yeah, I just I just picked the Luke Skywalker story and just made it a girl instead. (laughs) Um, So that's what I did there. And Luke was obviously orphaned. Right. Um, Early on. Um, Well, sort of. And then came back with the father thing. But, you know, I I didn't want to do the same story. uh, So I twisted it around a little bit, basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But well, I, I really appreciated that the father was uh, not only a strong character, but we we got to see that he he didn't have some of the normally Hollywood can't produce a strong male lead without some fatal character flaw. Like he's also a heroin addict or whatever. Right. Uh, <laughs> and so he didn't have any you know fatal flaws. Right. He loved his daughter, um, but he
1: made some hard decisions. He, he does. Feel- he is, his fatal flaw. Is that he? He's always he's always he's always like going to rush off and and uh, and and was a little too aggressive, right? Um, and reckless. so that that's his thing, little reckless. Um, and she's a little reckless too because she inherited that from him, also. So that that's kind of where yep. that is. But you know, in future books, of course, now that he's really uh, now that he's really you know ha- experienced the problems of recklessness, uh, he he's a little more cautious and and uh, is content a little more content with his roles behind the scenes uh, in books two and three. Okay.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, um, I, I, I just enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, realistic flaws are nice. It's just, I feel like, uh, you know, being a little reckless, that's a realistic flaw, right? It's, but I do feel like in Hollywood, we see a lot of like, oh, he must beat his wife and yeah. you know, be addicted <laughs> yeah. to cocaine also because he couldn't possibly, you know, be a hero completely. Um, and I feel, I feel so like when you want really to target something that. for
1: all ages, like I, you know, I really want all ages to be able to read these books. I feel like you shouldn't add yeah. in that that sort of darkness. I guess um, I'm I'm really opposed mm-hmm. to that sort of darkness. This was supposed to be a light adventure for fun, so I, I just don't want to go there.
0: You know, I I don't I don't know if I'm a Pollyanna, but I don't think that kind of darkness darkness is realistic. I mean, yes, there not are really all. dark horrible people in the world, but most people I know, myself included, I've got flaws, right? But I'm not. I don't have those kind of flaws. <laughs> <laughs> like, right, I, don't, right. I don't know a lot of people with these like horrible, horrible flaws. Um, and but I think it's sort of this um, uh, it's it's some sort of nihilism is really what's surfacing, right? The it's hard for Hollywood and the left, yeah, to that there can be such a thing as a pure hero and not someone who, if he's a hero in one aspect, he must be a a complete failure or villain in some other area of his life, and that's just,
1: you know. 100%. Yeah, the nihilism factor is, is all across science fiction, all across works. It, it started with the 90s. I mean, the 90s, even the late 80s, the, the late 80s really were like, hey, we want to add some edginess to things and just kind of shock you. And then the 90s were like, we'll just make everything edgy and kind of shock you. Then the early 2000s were like, we're gonna go so over the top, it's gonna to be, it's gonna be like, so shocking, you won't even believe this exists. And then, and now we're now we're in the 2018, and it's like, where, where do you go from here? And uh, and so it's just bleak, 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 bleak all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. I want to ask you another thing about a choice you made in your book, um, the enemies. And and by the way, if you can't say this without um, spoiling later books, don't. Uh, but. It's interesting to me that you chose to make the enemies ultimately all under control of this other darker power, I'll say without giving away too much, rather than like, oh, it turns out all the people in this other country are just evil bad people. Um, They were actually controlled by something and underneath we see, maybe they're not much different from us if you can rip that control out of their brains. Um, Can you talk about what the, the choice of that and why you did that?
1: Gosh, um, that's a tough question. Uh, that that just came from the plot point, um, really. Um, I I liked. Uh, I just I've just always been into like old fantasy pulps and all that, and like you know a big a big portion of this is like the super the super soldier serum concept, and I love that. I love seeing that in comic books. I love seeing that in old serial adventures. It's like I drink my serum, and now you know now now I'm going off and fighting. Um, and so you right. know I needed I needed something to make them a. Um, I guess a, a, a force that's scarier than your average humans. Right. And, um, so I, I went with that. Um, I also definitely, uh, don't like drug addiction. So I, you know, there, there's an aspect of that to it, uh, that, that, you know, is kind of like a ne- you know, negative drug use, uh, sort of message. To yeah. It definitely a little bit.
0: felt like a drug addiction thing. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there, there was no like I don't I don't like just making people evil for the sake of being evil I mean I, I want something to like I want there to be reasons for things um, and I don't feel like people ever really set out to be evil uh, for the most part um, uh, you know uh, other than maybe the science fiction writers of America but um you know for most part most of us <laughs> we don't we don't set out uh, to be evil so it's like uh, you know it's um. I don't know. It's just—it's just trying to create more layers to make them more interesting and more, uh, more realistic and relatable. I guess.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Quick question: That you're—you know—you talked about um, books being like more and more out there, uh, and kind of getting more over the top. Have you read uh, Three Body Problem*? No.
1: And do I want to?
0: Uh, so it's there's three books. The first one actually was was pretty good um it's by a chinese author but um it was an, it, it was uh it came to mind be, because it, the the series got in like progressively just out there and ultimately ended up in something that i found very dissatisfying which was a completely nihilistic view of the universe um like just utter utter nihilism squared uh, as nihilistic as you could possibly be um and uh and that bothered me so i was wondering if you if you read it because i know he's a he's a
1: i think he's a chinese science fiction author but uh, i think he's famous no, i, I um, totally um i try not to read anything that's dark at this point like I, I don't watch any dark television programs i don't watch game of thrones or walking dead or any of the popular stuff like i honestly like when i have two hours at the end of the night or whatever uh, and i want to read something i don't want to feel bad is what it comes down to like i mean I, there's already enough weight in the world is what i feel um so i just want to read something that's fun and makes me happy
0: so that that's a great segue because I was gonna next ask you, like, <laughs> what what do you recommend people read and/ or watch? Like what's some great science fiction and/ or comics out there that you think people
1: should check out? Sure. Um, right now, I'm reading uh, Robert Heinlein's Citizen of the Galaxy. And I know I kind of crapped on Heinlein a little earlier, but his early stuff is phenomenal. Um, and this book is is really a, a nice coming of age sort of setup. Uh, in in a world where like you know people are enslaved and all that and and the kid you know ends up becoming free and and uh, you know really taking control of his own destiny I really love that um, and so it, it's been a lot of fun I'm about halfway through it I haven't I haven't finished it yet uh, but that's what I'm reading book wise I don't I at this point like um, you know if also if I get free time I'm usually writing if if I'm doing something uh, so it makes it harder to read so yeah. I'm reading about a book a month or less I I've, I never thought I'd get to this point but Uh, I used to read a book every week at least. Um, So there's that. Um, I I like. um, I'm reading a lot more comics because they're faster to read. Uh, So if I have ten minutes here or there, I can just blow through one of those real quick. I'm really into uh, just anything by Chuck Dixon. His Avalon right now is fantastic. It's on Amazon. Um, I'm into uh, Matt Kent. Matt Kent actually goes a little darker than you know you might expect, but. Uh, he doesn't really I, he doesn't go degenerate if that makes sense. So I really like his mind management. mind management's a, a world where like everybody kind of has mind powers that are kind of manipulative. so it's like somebody might have the power to like make music that uh, you know can you know change the political course because uh, people you know relate to that music and it's just like a, a, a step above. Uh, normal. And so like, and you know, or somebody might write comics where they can put hidden messages into things so that spies can read it and nobody else will be able to determine what it is. So it's like, it's like, those are the types of powers in it. And everything's just a mind, just screw with your mind sort of thing. Very well done. Uh, just very beautifully done. So um, those are, uh, I guess that those are the things that I'm uh, most into right now uh, that are, ver- that are very, uh, you know, interesting. I like, uh, I'm reading Lori Forrest's, um, Uh, The Iron Flower, uh, Lori Forrest. This is an interesting one because she's a left wing lady um, and she's definitely writing from a place where it's, uh, you know, the, the, it's fantasy world, but they're fantasy Nazis. So it's kind of like, okay. um, On that level. And she wants, she definitely has this like inclusive, everybody's okay. Once you get to know everybody, we're all human, whether we're gay or straight or whatever, um, you know, sort of cheesy message to it, but you know what? It ends up positive. Um, and I kind of like it and the, you know, I, I appreciate having heroes who, who actually try to do the right thing and don't go too dark. So, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty good.
0: Good. Have you, um, mm-hmm. just, just while I've got you, cause I, I, sometimes I, I don't know what my daughter's reading. Have you read the Uglies series? <laughs> no, all? I'm not I'm familiar not. with that. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going to give you homework and have you... <laughs> Oh boy. Well so you don't read anymore. So no, it's uh yeah. supposedly <laughs> very little very little time. It's good. She she really loves it, but uh, supposedly it's good. And also Katrina had me read Super Luminary, which is also
1: massively oh, over the top. Yeah. Uh, that crazy. was way over the top, oh. but it's good. Um it's I I mean, yeah, John C. Wright is just so creative. Um, I, I can't be that creative. I mean, that guy is just like he's got a different brain that operates in a on a way different level. Um, I actually liked his uh, Swan Knight's Son better than um, better than Superluminary. Uh, it was more of a like, okay. it felt like a, C- it, it almost felt like a like modern day C.S. Lewis book where it's like, you know, he's going into the fantasy world. There's the elves there. Regular humans kind of can't see them. There is a religious element to it, but it's not like, it's not like proselytizing, but it's there. Like all the elves just know Jesus Christ came, and they're they're kind of just bitter about it because humans are saved and they're not, you know, <laughs> uh, like that kind of thing. it's it's really neat. Um, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, um, so it's uh, yeah, that I thought that was really well done. But same thing, it's like it's so over the top, and he's got so many different creative concepts in there. Uh, the man's just a pure genius.
0: Yeah, awesome. So before we uh before we wrap up, I want to ask you what can First of all, is there hope for culture? Are we going to see movies turning around and and science fiction books turning around? Is, like, is the tide turning, or are we kind of at the beginning of a really long protracted war?
1: Very yeah, I th- both. <laughs> um, I think I think those two things are not uh, not contradictory. But yeah, uh, I, okay. we have. There is no hope for these big publishing companies, guys. Um, they're they're on their path. Um, everybody's like, well, if Marvel just kind of stops being political, that's not that's not an option. Um, they're they're putting just the same people on all the same books, and they're going to continue to do so for a while because they're too tied in with Hollywood, who's all tied in with these same types of people. And they don't want people like you or me taking control of these properties. Like you know, even if we do it better, uh, they don't care. Uh, they they just don't want that. So it's not going to happen with these big companies. These big companies are are in their death spiral. Um, you know, not only is there the political element, but all of them are out of ideas too. They they've ridden these same properties like Star Wars, like Mar- Marvel comics, uh, like any of this stuff. They've ri- ridden these properties for like 50 years hard, um, and there's just nowhere really to go with these characters uh, anymore. There's really not. There's no need to have another Spider-Man story at this point. I mean, let's be honest. So they're 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 going to continue down their path. Um, now indie is uh, there, there's been indie revolutions for a while. There's been three or four different indie comics revolutions. But the problem with distribution, because there's a monopolistic distribution in comics to comic shops, uh, has kept everything kind of at bay every single time. You might get one or two creators here uh, or there. But, um, you know, I think the next step on, on the comic front is really going to be doing something through Amazon, uh, trying non-comic shop distributions and things like that, Ah, uh, to kind of buck that distributor that's too tied in with dot Marvel or DC to do anything, but there's a lot of good content out there, um, and we kind of—I'm trying to get everybody to like band together rather than uh, you know go at it alone. Because if we go at it alone as individual creators, you know one or two creators might get popular, but it's not going to actually change the culture. We gotta we gotta lift each other up together. Um, and on books, no. uh, Amazon's changing the game for sure.
0: Why, so that was my question, actually, with the comics. Why is it, why did Amazon not change the game with with comics? Because I know with books you can just self publish on Amazon. So why is why are DC and Marvel still in control of comics? Are there still stores that like brick and mortar stores? Is where there comics are, are sold? Mostly? Yeah, uh,
1: for the most part, it's still brick and mortar stores. I think there's like twenty five hundred, three thousand stores still, and um, and and they pushed everything into those shops intentionally in the eighties so that they could you know pretty much gain market control. And they did successfully gain market control. Um, and, but, it, you know, at the expense of everything else, there, there used to be like Western comics and sci-fi comics and, and uh, you know, romance comics and things like that. Well, because the superheroes kind of went into this model uh, this business model, everything else just kind of died out because it didn't it wasn't able to, uh, you know, break in when when they were flooding the markets like they did. Um, so these are still in existence. They're dying, but they're, they just didn't die as fast as the bookstores. Um, because, you know, I guess they sold toys and games and things like that. So, uh, these are, I, I think, I think we're going to see a rapid decline. Uh, they're not going to ex- go completely extinct. Like, you know, there's still Barnes and Noble out there and all that, but like, you know, for the most part, you, I think, I think things are going to start to tor- turn towards Amazon or, or different delivery models, uh, over the next like five years. And, you know, I want to, I want to be ahead of the curve on that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it seems like there's real opportunity to kind of put together a competitor to Marvel or DC and and really push stuff uh, online and, and you know, elsewhere um, to kind of ride this wave of Amazon taking over. Absolutely. So, so getting to Amazon, um, science fiction books, you can self-publish, but it's, you know, it's hard enough to write. I mean, I've, I've, I used to be a writer uh, back in the day, although never any science fiction and I'm sure it wasn't good, but, um, you know, it's hard enough to write without like an editor. It's, you know, but then to have a whole strategy for pushing it and driving sales and marketing, like that's just not something that writers, a lot of them know how to do or even want to be doing. If you want to write a good, if you think you've got a great idea for a science fiction book and you want to write it and, and get help with everything else, where should they go? Where should people go?
1: Um, I, th- I think you got to just write it. Um, this this is where it comes down to. People, people think that there's like this magical formula with these bookstore books. It's not true. I mean, um, you know, honestly, my first Demon Country series is I, I would put it, uh, you know, toe to toe with like any uh, major publisher on the shelves, top authors. I definitely would. I, I, I don't just say that because I wrote it, you know, maybe maybe the first book, um, you know, has some flaws in it that that I kind of worked out later. But with book two and on, book two and on especially, I mean, they're they're, you know, they're 100 percent, 100 percent, 100 percent pro. So um, and you just do that by by working at it. I mean, I, I've been writing for eight, ten plus years. So, you know, I mean, my stuff now is finally getting to a point where it's like I, I know what I'm doing. I'm not I'm not learning to write as I'm writing. And it just takes, you know, it's like any of, anything else. I mean, if you want to be a good attorney, you're going to have to study for the bar for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours. I mean, you know, it's the it's, uh, same thing with writing. There's there's nobody who's really going to be magically good at it from the first go for the most part. Um, and but did oh, you I guess start, that, how there's did more. did you
0: go through a... a I went through a... Talk, a um through
1: house? No, I, I go through Superversive Press. Um, now, Superversive does have editors and 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 the like but um i'm i'm a very i'm a control freak that's why i'm you know not uh, especially with my art um so i um i hire my own editor um i actually use two editors um and that way i figure with different experiences uh, i've got i've got they're very different people uh tim Marquitz is one he used to run ragnarok publishing which was a big publishing house and then uh and he's kind of like a, a horror action guru kind of guy that's that's kind of where he's at and then I use Avalie Jerome and Avalie is a uh, is known as a Christian writer. Uh, she's um, she's, uh, you know, kind of I guess she does more urban fantasy stuff. Um, she she does. She's good with like logical consistency and, uh, you know, m- like smaller, you know, word choices and, and definitely like character relationships. So between the two, I figure I get everything, you know, that I'm going to get uh, <laughs> not 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 necessarily with proofreading because, uh, you know, that's a, that's a different thing. But, but I go through the two of them, then I go to a proofreader um, and Superversive actually uh, has I, does the proof, proofreader uh, for my stuff. Um, and then uh, I actually source my own cover art also because I want to control that also. Um, but if you don't, sure. <laughs> Superver- Superversive has all this for you, like or, uh, you know, there's a lot of small presses that do that. It's you know, you got to submit and get into them. So it's a different thing. But if you're doing it yourself. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the same thing. You just got to find, I, I recommend finding two editors, um, just because, you know, you can't get it clean enough. Honestly, I, if I, if, if, if it would financially make sense, I might even use three editors. Um, but, um, okay. I, I would do that. I wouldn't skimp on that. And I wouldn't skimp on the cover art because those are the things you know, you, if you have a clean book and clean cover art, uh, you know, that, that definitely signals to people that, Oh, this is a professional product project and not somebody's hobby.
0: And then you you don't necessarily need to go through a, a publisher. You would recommend people just publishing on, if they do
1: those things, just publish on Amazon themselves or what? Yeah, you, you can go through a publisher. I mean, the, the publisher helps you uh, if you can't afford to do that, right? Um, so that's where that's at. But, uh, I mean, if you can afford it, I mean, I, I would say my books cost about 2000 2500 to produce. So, um, okay. I mean, they're all, they're all profitable. Um, but otherwise I wouldn't be doing it. Um, but, um, so that's tough. I, I know it's definitely tough and it, it takes a few books to get there, but you know, you'll definitely, uh, be a better writer and have better product if you do that. And as far as promotion, you just got to get good good promotion. Even if you're with a big publisher, I know plenty of, I know a lady with, with a big publisher. Um, I'm not going to, i again, not going to name names. Um, but I, I watched, uh, who like that book, it was kind of a fantasy thing that came out, uh, and mine kind of came out at the same time. And, you know, they, they gave a little promotion, like they got a couple of reviews from a couple of different magazines and stuff like that. But I mean, how many people really read these review magazines? Not many readers actually do. So, you know, people discover it from the cover, from the blurb, and from seeing you out there and seeing you do your thing. So uh, this person is a lot shyer than I am. And it, ended, and it ended up, I mean, not selling nearly as well as for Siemen Country. Uh, mainly because I put myself out there and I forced myself to work at this like it's a job. I'm on I'm on these YouTube shows all the time trying to talk about my works and stuff like that as a job. It's like, you know, I love talking to you. Of course, you're a great guy. But, you know, if I wasn't selling stuff, would I, would I be doing this? Probably not.
0: Right. Yeah, no, of course. Right. We'd be at a ball, um, we'd be at okay. a ball game, you know? <laughs> yeah, you and I would be talking. It just wouldn't be live on air. Um, so. Right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Look, I really appreciate your time on, on that note. Can you direct people? Where do you want them to go? If there's one place or two places or whatever, a few places you want people to go, where should they go to support what you're doing um, and to find out more uh, for all your projects?
1: Yeah. um, Please back the Ember War. That's my main thing right now. It's almost at 20,000. That's what we need to pay for the art and all that. So uh, we need to just cross that finish line. Uh, very it's gonna get there pretty soon. Uh, you can make it happen. It's on indiegogo.com and just look up the ember war uh, Otherwise all my stuff's on Amazon. So uh, just just go to Amazon look up my name and you'll find my stuff Cool,
0: I'll put links to stuff below um, But again, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining John um, To everyone else uh, Please, you know go to unsafeshowcom slash subscribe you can support the show on patreon actually patreon.com slash unsafe space Uh, We're just starting out, so anything, just sharing and liking is helpful, and following us on Twitter at Unsafe Show would be awesome. So uh, thanks again, John. Thanks, everyone, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk again later.
1: Cool.